Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today I get to interview Stephanie Sutherland. That's right, and if you subscribe now, you will get not one, but two amazing episodes for... I guess they wanted non-announcery. Guys, if you're a voice actor, you know Stephanie, and if you don't, you should. She's an unbelievably talented voice actor, one-third of the amazing Voice Actors Network team, and she and her husband foster kittens. She's basically perfect. All right, let's do this. I like to start off by asking my guests what things that you've worked on that you're proud of. Gosh, I've been thinking about this. Um, I found a lot of work like self-marketing before I signed with Vox, uh, before they took me on. And so I have a couple clients across the States that I work with consistently. There's, there's a little, not a little, a big furniture store called Nebraska Furniture Mart, but they're based in the Midwest. And there you have them in, have stores in Texas in obviously Nebraska. I believe there's some in Illinois. There's a bunch all over, but I'm one of their spokespeople. I'm their female voice. So that's one big thing, which I really love. It's awesome to be a part of that little family there. And then uh, as far as like, since signing with Vox, which we signed, did we sign the same day? Or um, it was, a, it like, was within like really a week, close. right? Yeah, I think which so. Which is awesome, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. But um, since signing with Vox, they're keeping me so busy with like video games and some original animation, which I love. And that's obviously like the total, total goal, the 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 dream to be doing so much more of that. And then a lot of commercial stuff. And so uh, the biggest thing that I think I'm doing right now is Veggie Tales, which is awesome. Yeah, beautiful. The, I just saw that. Yeah, it's so fun. And I watched it when I was a kid, you know, growing up in Utah, Christian family. Um, it came out when I was like this preteen. I was too cool for school, but I had this little brother who my mom got the VHS tapes for. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm just going to watch it. It's not it's not cool, whatever. Like, <laughs> but secretly, I like loved it. Oh yeah. And so I, I had heard that VeggieTales did a season with DreamWorks um, on Netflix. That was only one season, and then someone reached out to me on LinkedIn of all places, and they were like, "Hey, would you like to audition for this reboot of a Christian animated series?" And I was like, wow. "Sure." And I'm thinking, like, okay, it's a reboot, like Christian animated series. I don't know what this could be. And I got to the audition and it was like, here are the sides. It's for Madame Blueberry and all of these other VeggieTales characters, well-known characters, Laura and Petunia. And I was like, VeggieTales, what? This is crazy. (laughs) And I loved VeggieTales. So I had one in-person audition and then they had me back for a callback. And I booked the roles of Madame Blueberry. She's a French opera singing Blueberry. Yeah, she's fun. She's really fun. And then the episode that dropped at the beginning of April uh, was the first episode where Callie Flower, the head of, she's the head of Cauliflower, where she makes her appearance, her first appearance. And she is like, oh, I love her so <laughs> dearly. Um, she And she's so opposite from Madame Blueberry, which has been really fun to play these total opposite characters because Madame Blueberry is very like, oh my goodness, and all this and that. And, and Callie's just this like dopey tomboy nerdy like a weird little girl and <laughs> and she's just always like hey guys what's going on and, and just like so it's just so fun she's just she has my heart through and That's through awesome. 
Yeah, I saw I saw on the clip that you'd posted. It, it wasn't an audio clip of her, but I saw her in the background and just her character design. I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> She's so fun. She's seriously so fun. And and it's awesome, too, because she wasn't written to be a singing character. But they know that with my background being in musical theater, that I have the singing chops. And so they gave me plenty of opportunities to sing as Callie, which has been really fun. So I'm excited for more stuff to more stuff to come out. It's on this streaming platform, Yippee, which is which is a children and family streaming platform. And uh, there's some other really great shows on there too. I know Madel- Madeline. Madeline? Is it Madeline or Madeline? Gosh, it's been I so long. I know. I just kind of mumble whenever I say it. Yeah, yeah, right. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> and now this is like being recorded and I'm like, oh, I should know this. No, I'm th- <laughs> yeah. I think it's Madeline. It's just been so long since I watched I it. But right. now that yeah. I know it's on Yippee and now that I that I have access to it. I'm I got to watch all these. But that's on there. There's some really awesome fun shows on Yippee. And so, yeah, so it's really exciting and a new episode of Veggie Tales drops every month, the first of every month. And cool. yeah, so that's that's my big thing right now. And then, of course, like getting the audition and whatnot through LinkedIn. Uh, I was able to put it through Vox, which has been nice. wonderful. Yeah, Michaela, she is just amazing and she's just keeping me super busy with video games and stuff too. And I have a couple that I am working on right now that I'm still, you know, not able to talk about, but I'm very excited for those ones to come out and then awesome. I can share more. <laughs> cool. Cool. I know that's, that's always the challenge with, right. With, with dubbing, it's a, it's a little bit easier because like, you know, it's going to come out in a month or whatever. Right. You don't have to wait, but animation, especially it's like, what am I promoting? Oh, I, oh, that. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That, that I worked on a year ago. Yes. Right. Everybody watch it. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so but it's true. The best. It is. So for VeggieTales, you said that the producers had contacted you on LinkedIn and then you brought Vox on along with it? Yep, exactly. Yeah, it was really interesting because I had done, like I said, I do have done a lot of self-marketing, um, but I, gosh, where was it? Oh, it was at VO Atlanta. I had taken a LinkedIn, you know, uh, little course. And so I, yeah, so I, t- I took that LinkedIn course and I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just get a LinkedIn page up and running. Um I don't use it or I I didn't use it very often just because I was like, I don't know if like this is the social platform that I want to drive my career with, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, I had my page up and running and I had, you know, links to my demos and my website and yeah, just like my basic information, email, stuff like that. And that's how they found me. I made sure to obviously put on their voice actor in my name so that way it catches, catches the eye. But yeah, they reached out on LinkedIn and then it was just, it just fell into place, which is crazy when things like that happen. But I'm so grateful. It's really been a, it's been a wild ride and I'm so grateful for it. And it's cool too, now that, that we're recording from home with everything being shut down uh, with the quarantine, since Aaron's not working, he's an uh, audio engineer at Warner Brothers. He's an ADR mixer there. I'm putting him to work, so he's engineering for me here while I'm nice. recording in my booth. But we've had two <laughs> two sessions since this quarantine for VeggieTales, and it's it's been so easy because I don't have to do all the yeah. work. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's nice when you can employ your your loved ones. Like uh, I, <laughs> right. I I have no shame in in expressing the logo for my podcast. Um, my wife's a graphic designer, and she did it, and I'm in I love with it. So- yeah, so oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm very happy about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> But that's, that's cool. great. Yeah. So normally, I mean, you've uh, beat me to the punch. There's some other stuff I would try to ask now. But since you mentioned marketing, 
and like even your email signature i'm in love with like it's it's such a simple but nice touch thank that you. just makes me happy to look at and is is very well branded so oh, thank you of course so yeah i'm wondering what what do you do for marketing that's like kind of an esoteric and I'm going to pretend I use that word all the time. This it's is probably the first time I've ever used it. Amazing <laughs> word to use. Thank you. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> but like <laughs> Your uh, vocabulary is so advanced, Sean Rohani. <laughs> yeah, I get one fancy word in per, per podcast. Nice, um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, you know, it's an esoteric part of being a voice actor that uh, I feel like a lot of voice actors, myself at times, struggle with. So, so what kinds of things do you do for marketing? Yeah, so one one of the big things is I have a spreadsheet that I utilize and I go, uh, I, I basically will Google production companies or um, animation houses, uh, game devs, and, you know, find the information that I can see what they worked on, see how, if I like it, if, if I feel like I have something to offer them. And then from there, I'll draft up an email just saying, hey, I came across your website. I really love your work. And then, you know, trying to make that connection, I feel like for me personally, marketing is not about like, hey, bring me on. It's more like, hey, I love your work and I would love to collaborate. And mm -hmm. and it's more about making that connection as people rather than just being being a service. Like we're humans and if we connect as humans, then we're going to have a better relationship. And so, yeah, what I'll do is use that spreadsheet when I send an email out to these production companies i'll put a, the date the, my first reach out to them uh so i can look that up and when i go back for a second touch and then for a second one i'll say uh, i'll wait a couple weeks or sometimes even a month or two and just say hey just wanted to check in uh see if you had any questions for me or if there's anything i can help you with and find another way to connect people to people you know person to person right and you know i just keep tracking that spreadsheet and so sometimes I'll reach out to people a handful of times and a couple months later, I'll get an email saying, Hey, we have a job for you. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's kind of a cool way of getting work. So yeah, that's email marketing has been my way trying to figure out the social media marketing. I, I, I feel like I'm one of those introverted extroverts. So I, I feel like I have a struggle, like putting myself out there, like, look what right. I'm doing. Here's a boothy, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, so I'm just trying to figure out that whole world of things. I don't even know how to use Twitter. Once I tweeted about like my Costco adventures on a Friday night, it was great. Um, <laughs> but I just don't use Twitter very much. So I'm still trying to navigate that whole realm. But email marketing has been a great, great resource for me. Nice. For sure. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's not so important what platform you're using. I feel like it's more important, like you said, to make sure that your message isn't please let me work for you. I would love to work for you. It's, right. it's a difference between like desperation and, oh, this is a professional that, you know, works. Right. Because you never want to give that feeling of desperation, even if you do feel it at times, which yeah. I think, <laughs> I think we're all probably feeling it a little bit right now with it being the quarantine, <laughs> yeah. regardless of if we're freelancers or not. I think it's just when anxiety hits, but like you just, right. I don't know, we all, we all have needs, but there's room for everybody. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like you said, especially these days, it's not hard to feel a little bit more desperate because everything's changing. And right. even now, you know, there's a worry for some people that, OK, well, even once things get better, maybe studios are going to be so used to this that everything will be from home now. Right. 
Yeah, we don't know how this is going to affect things in the long term. Yeah. So, yeah, I think just that little shift in attitude helps helps people better understand that you're a pro that is looking to help them and also like helps subconsciously, psychologically, you tell yourself that, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And it's interesting how that makes a difference obviously for ourselves, but how it, the energy that we put out, this might sound mm-hmm. so woo woo, but, um, <laughs> but like if we're self-assured that like, we're like, we've got this and we want to, we're here to help people and we have something to offer and, you know, having that more collaborative idea instead of that desperation, like people really sense that. And I think that energy yeah. that we put out is, is better received if it comes from a place of that grounded, like abundance, feeling of abundance, mm-hmm. which definitely yeah it's it's like one of those it's one of those thoughts i try to remind myself because of course like i think being in a freelance industry where it's job to job and you may feel (laughs) you work one session and you're like i'm never gonna work again Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i think it's easy for us to our minds to start going down that path but to remember like if a job is meant for me it's meant for me if it's meant for someone else it's meant for them and that's wonderful like there's enough to go around for everyone so there's no need to be desperate you know definitely definitely this might terrify anybody listening but for me it's kind of oddly comforting when you're submitting an audition to know that so many people are auditioning for that same thing it's just all right i'm going to give that best version of myself like that's a lot less nerve-wracking for me than like going to a, a workout where it's five people reading the same copy oh yeah and like not being picked out of the five it's like oh my gosh but somehow when it's a thousand people it's like oh okay right you know, give whatever is authentically me and and if they like it they like it right i don't know if you were there or not but the voice actors network clinic we had with sam regal i guess it was in oh i think it was the end of 2018 but we had sam regal and he's he's just phenomenal and a wealth of knowledge and just such incredible energy but one thing that he said that i'll never forget is that he said, you already don't have the job. Right. So why stress so much over it, you know, over mm-hmm. the audition? Um, just bring your best self to it. And I think that ties in perfectly. Like if it's meant for you and, you know, you've brought your best self, you've brought what you do. And from that place of abundance, instead of like, what do they want? What do they want? Right. I got to do exactly what they want. If it's meant for you, then it'll be yours. Yeah. And like you said, not thinking about... What do they want? Because the more you think in those terms, the less you're actually embodying the character. Right. Because everything becomes an external concern. Right. You know, it's like I had this self tape. It was for a rare on camera thing. But uh, <laughs> the director pointed out if you focus too much on the stage directions and not on what feels right, then you end up just pantomiming the stage directions. Ooh, and it becomes, yeah. yeah, it becomes like the the camera and the microphone can hear and see the truth and it doesn't feel truthful when you do that so i like that i i like that that thought of the camera and the microphone can see the truth yeah i won't pretend that that was mine i mean you know what i will you can own it sean own it (laughs) yeah so philosophical (laughs) thank i try i try i know i use esoteric and now this i know look at you yeah you are Um, good job thank you thank you so um I could, and we will get back to obviously all of these fun voiceover tidbits, but I wanted to, I like to get a little bit inside the actor's studio E. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I know. Where, so you mentioned you're from Utah. Were you born in Utah? Is that where you grew up? I was. 
Yep. So I uh, so I was raised in Utah, Central Utah. It's a little little farm town called Spanish Fork. <laughs> Fun little name. <laughs> but yeah, my uh, my dad is from Utah, and my mom's actually from San Diego, and oh. she moved to Utah to attend Brigham Young University and got a job working uh, at the jail because they paid they had tuition reimbursement. So she started working at the jail and my dad was a police or he's retired, but he's like still working because he's a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sorry, dad, if you're listening. Um, but he, that's how they met. Say, yeah. My dad was on death row and, you know, and, they, it was and my mom saved his life. Yeah. Um, actually it's, it's funny. Um, so my parents met actually in the jail, which mm-hmm. is so funny to, to say, but yeah, my mom, they just decided to, that they wanted to stay in Utah. So that's where I was raised. Um, but the, the funny thing I was going to say is when they were getting married, you know, we're, we're Christian, we're, we're uh, Mormons, are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's such a long name. But um, <laughs> they were talking to the, the officiator and he was like, now, how did you meet? And and they said we worked in the jail, but he missed the we worked in the jail part. And he said, wow, you've come such a long way from then. That's the story that my parents always love to tell. But um, yeah, because it's like good Mormon family. Um, it's but uh, it's it's great. I wasn't there, have to say. But yeah, they so my so my parents, um, the town that I grew up in, Spanish Fork, it's like so close to where my dad grew up in this little town called Pace in their neighboring cities. And it was perfect because my parents being in law enforcement, they worked difficult hours when raising four kids. And so we were super close to my grandmother who, you know, she, she basically raised us until I was about 12 or so. But yeah, I got, um, I, I grew up dancing. That was like my big thing. I was just like, I'm going to be a dance teacher when I grow up. And then about, I want to say ninth or 10th grade. So just in the beginnings of high school age, I discovered choir and singing and that you could sing and dance in this thing called show choir. (laughs) And the show choir in my hometown uh, had an incredible instructor. He had just started, he just moved to the area and he was building up this amazing choir program and it was getting to be like the cool thing to be in choir. And of course, me wanting to be cool. I was like, I got to do this. <laughs> so I started taking voice lessons and learning to sing. And then through that, eventually made my way to theater. And that's where it kind of all started. My love for being these different characters mm-hmm. uh, began. And my first, one of my first shows was the show called Lucky Stiff. Have you heard of it? I have not. What kind of show? It's a it? musical. Okay. And it's so fun. They actually did a a movie remake. I, I haven't seen it yet, but it's just ridiculous. But I got to play this old landlady and I loved it. I was in heaven and I wasn't like, it wasn't a cute character. It wasn't like, it was just this old lady. And it was just kind of like the beginnings of like, oh, you can play other characters. Um, and how old were you when you, when you played that role? Oh, do you know what? That might've been my senior year in high school. So it wasn't one of my first shows. But anyway, that was uh, one of those moments where it was still like, I can play any anyone. Then <laughs> get to college and I auditioned for the music dance theater program at Brigham Young University, which is a highly competitive program. It was a three-part audition. So uh, you had your, your singing portion, then you had your dance portion. And I had that down. I had singing mm-hmm. and dance down. Um, and then the acting portion. Um, I felt like I was still a baby, but like, I I was super strong in singing and dance and yeah, I got in. I was so grateful to get in and 
it was really an incredible program. However, they really focused on creating, like helping the ingenues and leading ladies. And I wasn't that. I'm a character actor through and through. And so I kind of was like, I don't have my place. Like, what, like, who am I? Even though there are plenty of roles for my type, mm. but I just didn't know just because of the environment and, and what they were really breeding in that program. But I did get to play Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray, which was incredible. There's a really amazing theater in Orem, Utah called the Hale Center Theater. And it was a really incredible role um, to play. And I loved, 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 loved it. But um, I remember going to one of my acting teachers and saying like, am I only going to be Tracy? Like, is there any room for me to play any other character? And he was like, you're Tracy. That's what you do. You just have to accept it. And I was like, wow. like on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like know your type. But on the other hand, I was like, I don't want to be pigeonholed. Especially and, that early. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And so I was getting a little bit burnt out with like not having my nights and weekends and yeah, just feeling a lot of that burnout from the stage and I was like, how can I still perform? I love this. I had learned how to really act well. And senior year, I believe it was my final semester, I saw that there was an elective for a voiceover class. So I was like, I'll take it. Sure. I've been told I have a funny voice, <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. That's how it always starts, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it really opened my eyes to the world of voiceover. And I always had known it was a job, but I didn't really know how to get in or like the ins and outs of it. Aaron and I were trying to figure out like, did we want to stay in Utah? There wasn't a lot of opportunity for voiceover in Utah. Maybe we could do the New York thing. And I just, it didn't feel right. It didn't like settle in my soul that it was the right thing to do. And Aaron being a sound engineer, he could go to New York, LA, or stay in Utah because there's a lot of work there for him. But his brother moved out here, let's see, three years before we did. Uh, he's a an animation picture editor and we saw him having success and we we're like, awesome, we'll go to LA too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, wearing these rose colored glasses, like Nolan made it quick, we'll make it quick too. <laughs> and I think a little bit of having that San Diegan blood. <laughs> uh, right, right. Yeah, I know. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, yeah. I always, I've always felt called to California and, and my, my grandfather's still in San Diego and my okay. aunt's and uh, cousins are all here. And Nice. Uh, it's one of the best cities in the world, by the way. Gosh, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I wish it were closer. I know. But if it were closer, <laughs> it would be just as crazy as L.A., so right. it's a good thing that it's not as close. But, yeah, yeah I just we just felt like this would be a great place for us to both flourish in our careers, and, and it's proven to be. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I'm glad you came out here, because then thanks. I got to meet you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, John. I'm so, glad I got um, to meet you. <laughs> well, it's very kind of you. Um, I was wondering, because, you know, your eyes got opened by the professional world of voiceover. And by the way, that you knew, like, that it was obviously a career path by then makes you a thousand times more mature than me, because um, <laughs> when, when I was a kid, well into probably almost pre-teens, if I saw Looney Tunes cartoons, I would keep my eyes away during the credits because I didn't want to see that all these characters that I wanted to believe were real, like Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, That's were all amazing. just one guy's voice. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. amazing. You, you wanted that illusion. <laughs> exactly. For yeah. As long as you could have it. <laughs> it. It has helped me in the past. My uh, my two brothers were onto the fact that Santa didn't exist uh, a year before me. And I was kind of onto it too, but I told my mom I still think Santa exists and I think I got more presents because of it that year smart so, yeah you know yeah. that's that's smart <laughs> something about wanting to believe right <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly if there's anything oh, to take so away from this podcast believe in Santa believe yes. in Santa indeed <laughs> and also that 
There's not a guy doing these voices. It's mm -hmm. just these characters. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you had decided to pursue voiceover, but you could have theoretically done that along with the musical theater stuff as well. So I'm surprised there was no, you know, inclination to do that and consider New York. At that point, you were like, no, it's just voiceover. You know, at that point, yeah, like I, I, I think it was a combination of things with my, it was my senior semester doing hairspray, doing our senior showcase where we came out to LA and, and went to New York. And I, I just was so burnt out by that point uh, from the stage, which is odd because I loved it and I thrived up until that point. But just feeling that burnout, I, I just decided to like, yeah, let's focus on, let's focus on the voiceover side of things. And, and, you know, truth be told, like, I remember as a kid watching Mrs. Doubtfire. This is such a, like, cliche story, but watching Mrs. Doubtfire and seeing Robin Williams, the very beginning where he's in the recording studio voicing that bird. And I remember being like, whoa, that's a job? Like, that's so cool. And I feel like it was always, like, in the back of my mind that that could be a profession and I was always like the ham of the family. I mean, I just loved attention and performing. And so I would always like do stupid voices and mm -hmm. just to get a reaction from my siblings. And, and then my brothers would tease me. But um, <laughs> I feel like I always had that in the back of my mind. And so when I decided to do it, it was like, okay, let's see if we can figure out how to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And of course, like probably the first nine months or so that Aaron and I had been here in L.A., I didn't know what I was doing, where to look. And so I just got a ton of books from the library. Um, one of them was, let's see, I have them right over here. There's Word of Mouth, Word of Mouth by Sue Blue, which is amazing. <laughs> voice over voice actor by mm -hmm. Yuri and Tara. And what are some of the other ones? I can't see, like Harlan Hogan's book, right. like all of these books. So I had read a lot, um, but I didn't, like, I didn't know where to start for me. And so really that first nine months or a year, it was just like learning about the business. And then I was finally like, I got to do something about this. And I looked up on Yelp of all places, because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> looked up like voice acting classes and found out I lived two blocks away from the voice caster. <laughs> and so I signed up for the beginning class and then went through the, the program there, took beginning, intermediate, advanced, mm -hmm. and then yeah. audition pro. So I'd done all those classes and and I booked a, a couple of jobs through them as I was starting out, which was amazing. And then I was working at the Burbank Library at the time hmm. and one of my coworkers, Morgan Lofting, she she uh was a big voice actor in the in the early days. She was in like G.I. Joe and That's whatnot. Awesome. <laughs> but she was like, Did you see the voice caster is hiring? And I was like, What? No. And somehow I didn't get the email uh from their mailing list. So I applied and uh I got the job there. And so they brought me on as a casting assistant. And cool. that was like, I credit so much of the beginnings of getting into this career to Kelly and Catherine at The Voice mm -hmm. Caster, because I would, I still probably wouldn't, wouldn't know what I'm doing now if it weren't for getting in there and learning how the casting process really works and how like learning different, getting to know different agents and, mm -hmm. um, and all of that. So there's my walk down memory lane. <laughs> it's a beautiful it was lovely, walk. wasn't yes. it? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. So you said you learned a lot working in casting. Is there anything that you can impart on actors that have never been around that stuff that might help them, you know, as if their careers depended on it? No pressure. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no pressure. That means all the pressure. I'm no, just kidding. Um, 
No, I, one thing that I didn't realize, I used to think it was like the casting directors make all the decisions mm -hmm. and granted, like they do pick selects and whatnot, but, uh, to send to the client, but it's ultimately the client's choice. And there's a million different reasons why the client may or may not go with you. And so really it was like what you were saying earlier, you just bring your best to the audition and it may be exactly what they want, or it may not, but regardless, you brought your best. That'll reflect well on you, at least to the casting director and maybe even to the client. They'll be like, oh, remember that person. Let's let's see if we can bring this person in. Right. So, yeah, it's just it's just remembering that the only control that we have is to do what we do and do it well and own right. it, you know. Totally. So that's I think that's one big thing that was such an eye opener working there. Yeah, it, exactly. Like you said, own it. I mean, even. I, I try for auditions. Sometimes you'll hear people say like, oh, it's got to be the first few lines or whatever where you really catch them. And But I I like going all out all the way through, you know, and making interesting choices as the very last line, even if they don't get to it. Right. Yeah. And for all that we know, they could be skipping through mm -hmm. to hear like if we're hitting the beats and then if they skip toward the end and you've made that strong choice at the end, it could be what gets you the job. <laughs> That wraps up part one of my interview with Stephanie. Here are some great tips to learn from it. Tip number one, email marketing is highly effective when done right. Make a connection as people rather than a desperate one-way plea. Two, focus less on external factors like what sound casting wants and more on who your character is. And three, Create a spreadsheet to gather info on your favorite production companies, animation houses, and game devs. Just because we're not in school anymore doesn't mean there's no more homework. And on that note, may all of you voice actors keep acting up.